someone said the gospel can be summed up in one word, substitution. And understanding the gospel and Christ who came and took my place, God's people understand just exactly what is meant by that. We have a brother that's in glory now that was a member of this church for years. Many of you will remember him, Tom Sawyer. And he used to say, and he was a retired high school teacher, and this might not be grammatically correct in the way he worded it, but he used, he used to say, you either is or you isn't. And I know what he meant by that. God either chose us or He didn't. That does not, folks listen, that does not mean that those who are vessels of wrath fitted to destruction are not responsible to believe the Gospel that is clearly set forth in the Holy Scriptures. They are. But they won't. They hate God. They don't want Him in their thoughts. And even though it can be proven right before their very eyes through the Scriptures that God chose a people before the world was created. Those people were represented by Christ, redeemed by Christ, and uh, were in Him when He ascended to glory after He came out of the grave, and He's there now as the surety of His people. Even though those truths are clearly set forth that Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord over all of His creation, they won't believe it. We wouldn't either if God had not revealed it to us. So thank God for His grace that opened our spiritually blind eyes and brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Will you please turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. We've been going through Isaiah in a verse-by-verse study, and we want to pick that study back up this morning. Let me ask you this question. If someone told you that they had taken their wristwatch and put it over three or four sticks of dynamite, lit a short fuse and threw it off the rim of the Grand Canyon, and then made their way to the floor of that canyon and found that watch all back together, just ticking and working perfectly, would you believe them? I'll tell you what, I wouldn't believe them either, but I could believe that easier than I could believe the Big Bang Theory. Isn't it foolish what people believe? Some of my very dear loved ones were taught in school and are carrying those teachings with them today that evolution is true, not creation. I don't understand how anybody can be duped into believing that ridiculous lie except to say the carnal mind hates God and does not want God in all of their thoughts and so they would rather believe the lies of ungodly teachers and be identified with them who call God a liar than to believe God and His Holy Word. Romans 1.20 tells us that all men and women who ever lived or will live are without excuse who deny God as the Creator. Why are they without excuse? Because the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His 
eternal power and Godhead. And that's what the Word of God says. So they're without excuse. They can look at creation. They can look all around them at the trees and the flowers and the birds. Look up in the sky and see all of that which is in heavens, the, the planets and the stars. Did you know God calls every star by name? Did you know the Bible says that the, the stars are the works of His fingertips? It's like it alludes to someone just flicking their fingers. But salvation is wrought by His strong right arm and by those statements, I am led to believe that the stars that were scattered in the universe by the Word of our Lord Jesus Christ was easier than the salvation of His elect people. God has blessed us so richly and bringing us out of darkness into His marvelous light and putting that love in our hearts and that understanding the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and what He has done and who He has done it for, where He is now. All of these wonderful truths I want to share at the funeral tomorrow and I only have ten minutes to do that. But you don't limit me to ten minutes, so hang on to your pew. We might be here for a couple more minutes than ten. Isaiah 9.6 has been our text for several weeks during our studies through this holy inspired book and it will be our text for some weeks to come but let me read verses 6 and 7 in your hearing Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father the Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, our texts for this morning's message will be taken from these descriptive words that are given to help us understand the divine character of our Lord Jesus, His name shall be called Counselor. One who deliberates. One who gives advice. One who guides. Now some of your Bible commentators like to add the word wonderful to that phrase and word it to say, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And I don't argue that. He is a wonderful counselor. And in some of the manuscripts, it is worded that way. But in the King James Version, there's a comma after wonderful. And so I just want to take the word counselor as our subject this morning. His name shall be called counselor. One who guides his people. Foolish, sinful, finite, self-righteous religionist want to counsel God, want to give Him advice. How can anyone be so foolish? If God knows everything, and He does, He's omniscient. If He knows everything, how could anybody counsel Him? Turn back to the book of Job, if you will. The book of Job, chapter 40. There are those who are smarter than God, so they think 
And so they're going to counsel God and tell their congregations. This is from foolish preachers, false preachers, prophets of Baal. They're going to counsel their congregations on how to be born again. Our Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see. And the word see means perceive or to understand. Except a man be born again, he cannot understand the spiritual things concerning the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he said this, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, or where it pleases. You can hear the sound, and but can't, you can hear the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit of God. So our Lord didn't give any explanation of how you are to be born again. He said you must be born again. And when he says the wind blows where it pleases. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. He's telling us that God is sovereign. He moves where He pleases, when He pleases, how He pleases, upon whom He pleases. And God is the one who can perform the miracle of the new birth and the only one who can perform the miracle of the new birth. Yet we have foolish preachers standing before their congregations and saying to them, you have to be baptized before you can be born again. Or... You have to meet on Saturday before you can be born again. Or in order to be born again, you have to speak in gibberish. They call it tongues, but it isn't. Or in order to be born again, you must come forward in the church during their altar call, walk up to the front of the church building, shake the preacher's hand, and repeat some words that he will put in your mouth. Then you'll experience the new birth. They're liars. Our Lord didn't say that. And what they're doing is they're calling God a liar. And instead of believing the counsel of our Lord Jesus through His revealed Word, they're giving counsel without knowledge. No spiritual understanding whatsoever. Now Job was God's servant. And we all know the story how that he suffered. And he knew God did that. He knew the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. He knew that His children were taken from Him because God allowed it. It was Satan who did it, but God allowed it. And we use that as one of the scriptural proofs that Satan is under the sovereign control of God Almighty and can only do what He allows Him to do. Satan had to get permission from our Lord Jesus before He could take all of Job's possessions away from Him. Then... He was afflicted with boils all over his body. And there was no way that he could get comfortable. Any position he was in was excruciating pain that came upon him. And he was there not because of any sin that he had committed, but because it was God's purpose to allow that to happen so that we might learn this very truth. God does what He pleases and He has a right to do that. He has a right to do whatever He will with His own. And Job wanted his day in court. He wanted to know why that had happened to him. He was a good man. God bragged on Job. But he had this, this desire to be before God where he could find out why this had happened to him. Well, here in Job chapter 40, we read, 
starting at verse 1. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? Will man instruct God? Jesus Christ is our Counselor. He is infinitely wise. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. Shall he that contended with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. And when Job heard that, Job understood that it was God's purpose that God allowed that to happen to him. And it says in verse 3, Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. What, what God had revealed to him, the, the truth concerning God's absolute sovereignty, shut Job up. He put his hand on his mouth. And he says in verse 5, Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? This is what God had brought upon Job. And can he disannul that? Wilt thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God or canst thou thunder with a voice like Him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad the rage of thy wrath and behold everyone that is proud and abase him. Can you do that? Can you humble a man? Bring him low. Look at verse 12. Look on everyone that is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together and bind their faces in secret. If you can do that, Job... Then will I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. Now folks, this is God's Word. This is just as much God's Word as John 3.16. Turn back to Job 38. I was talking about creation. How God just spoke everything into existence. Yet these ungodly men in this generation and in the generations preceding this generation, they want to believe a lie. They want to believe that... There's a big bang in space. And then all of this what we see in creation came into being. And even scientists who are not Christians will tell you there's a power that put this in, in order, perfectly working. It had to be the power of God. Did you know that this earth that we're standing on is moving through space so fast that it makes a, a, a revolution around the sun in 365 days? And if God had not designed it the way He did in, in this circle, the sun goes around, or the earth goes around the sun, if we got any closer to the sun than what we do in the summertime, we'd be burned up. If we got any further away from it in the wintertime or when it's farthest away, we'd just freeze to death. God is infinitely wise. He knows what He has, was doing and, and what He's doing today is no different. He works all things after the counsel of His own will. And so we have people who are finding fault with God and His creation or blatantly denying that He is the Creator. And God says in 
Job 38, starting at verse 3, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Where were we when God laid the foundations of the earth? God purposed everything that He created before He created it. All of creation was in God's mind, in His thoughts, before He spoke it into existence. And the Bible tells us that His thoughts are so perfect that just the way He thinks, it comes to pass. He doesn't have to add anything to what He has given thought to. We, don't, we can't do that. I plan and I prepare and I give thoughts to what I'm going to do and something comes up that just destroys the way I gave thought to it and you're no exception. <laughs> you ever been in that situation where I, I did not foresee this? This was not how I planned this. this. This has come on me unexpectedly. Well, you can't charge God with that. Nothing comes upon Him unexpectedly. He knows the end from the beginning. Now, with that in mind, turn over to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. This God that we love and serve has created everything according to His own purpose and grace before the world began. The same God who put the sweet fragrance and the flowers also put the stink in the skunk. Why would God do that? Because He wanted to. The same God who has determined that we would come into this world at the appointed time has also determined when we will leave this world at that appointed time. God appoints that. Not only does He appoint the time of our death, He appoints the instruments of death. That's ordained by Him. Jesus Christ, our risen, exalted King, in the person of God the Holy Spirit, is the one who enlightens our understanding. He's the one who is every believer's counselor. The one who guides us into all truth. Truths concerning God's purpose and power in the creation of tangible things, things that we can see with the physical eye. And truths concerning spiritual things, those things that point to the salvation of God's elect through the perfect redeeming work of Jesus Christ our Savior. Now if we can believe in the infinite wisdom of Jesus Christ our Lord and the creation of those things that are clearly set forth before us, that the natural eyes of all men and women, unless they're blind, can see. If we believe in that infinite wisdom that God created everything the way He has purposed it, how much more should we believe in God's infinite wisdom in the salvation of His elect, those things that are spiritual, that have eternal value. This world, everything in this world, all of those things that we see in the heavens, all the planets, everything that's up there, are going to burn up. They're going to be consumed and, and just burnt to ashes 
by the brightness of the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And He put so much plan into that. God purposed it all. And if He purposed that which He planned to destroy, how much more that which gives Him all the glory in the salvation of His people. He purposed it. He planned it. He executed it. And He has given us the wisdom, the wisdom to believe what His Word says. Folks, listen to me. The same God, Jesus Christ the God-man, who is every believer's counselor, the same God who put His Spirit in us so that we would seek after Him is the same God who sets the world in the hearts of natural men so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. That's in Ecclesiastes 3.11. God put the Spirit of the world in their hearts. And we had that too. We were by nature the children of wrath even as others. I plan on bringing that out tomorrow morning in my message at the funeral. People think that they're all right because they've never murdered anybody or molested any child or robbed a bank. What they don't realize is that a liar is just as guilty as a murderer as far as sinning against God is concerned. The same God that said thou shalt not murder also said thou shalt not lie. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But people don't want to believe that. I was sharing with a man years ago now the lifestyle that the Lord Jesus delivered me out of telling him that He was my Lord and my Savior and He's forgiven me all those sins. He said, wow, I lived a lifestyle like that. I'd need a Savior too. As if he wasn't a sinner. Well, I present this before you that has already been mentioned in Sunday school and in a devotional that we heard this morning. Who maketh thee to differ from another? That's why Brother Tom Sawyer could say, you either is or you isn't. And all of God's children need to lay to heart these words of a glorious hymn that we sing. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Speaking of Jesus Christ the God-man, our text in Isaiah 9.6 says, His name shall be called Counselor. God Himself must teach us the things concerning Jesus Christ and the salvation of His elect or we'll continue in that state of spiritual darkness and go right out into eternity and go right into eternal torment. So listen to this. If you're in John chapter 6, starting at verse 41, the Jews then murmured at Him because He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They murmured, at the teachings of Jesus Christ our Lord. They were in darkness. They had no spiritual mind. And they said, verse 42, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? So they did just exactly what many professing Christians do in this generation see Jesus only as a man, not as God. 
We know his mother. We know his brothers. How can he possibly say that he came down from heaven? Well, our text in Isaiah 9 6 says, Unto us a child is born. That's the humanity of Christ. Unto us a son is given. That's the deity of Christ. Pastor Fortner wrote an article that I put in today's bulletin. It's on the last page. And I'm just going to take the time to read this before we go any further in our text in John chapter 6. And he titled this, Pastor Fortner titled this article, This is My Savior, and he took his thoughts from our text, Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7. And he said, in these two verses, the prophet of God is describing the glorious person and work of the Messiah, the Redeemer, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom God would fulfill all His promises of mercy and grace. Here is the incarnation and virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulder. Isaiah speaks first of the humanity of Christ. For unto us a child is born. As the Son of Man, Christ was born, the woman's seed. In His humiliation as a human baby, our Savior was as helpless as any other baby. He required the sustenance of His mother's breast, the care of her hands, and the warmth of the blankets she wrapped around Him. He was a real man. But He is also the eternal God. Here is the deity of our Savior. Unto us a Son is given. The Son of God was not born of the virgin, but given through the virgin's womb. Though He assumed our nature as the child born, He never ceased to be God, the Son given. And the prophet also proclaimed the exaltation of Christ as the incarnate God-man. The government shall be upon His shoulder. As the reward of His obedience to God as our representative, Christ has been given the government of creation, providence, and grace. Here is the amazing character of our Savior, and His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Yes, Jesus Christ is wonderful in all that He is and does. He is our Counselor to teach us wisdom. He is God the Mighty One, the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is the Father of His spiritual seed, the church forever. And He is the Prince of Peace. He promised peace, purchased peace, and bestows peace. Here is the glorious exaltation of Christ. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. His kingdom is an ever-increasing, peaceful, prudent, just, and eternal spiritual kingdom. And here is the infallible security of God's purpose. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God's zeal for His own name and His own people will accomplish His purpose and grace. End of quote. And I thought that was so well worded. Now these unbelieving Jews had heard some truths that they just could not understand. 
How could He be the bread that came down from heaven? How could He say that He was sent from heaven? We know His mother, we know His brothers, and they were looking at Jesus only through the eye of of a natural man seeing Him as a, a human person. They did not see Him as the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God. They did not see Him that way. They were not taught. They were not taught. God the Holy Spirit did not teach them. Read on. It says in verse 43, after they murmured concerning the truths that our Lord Jesus taught, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. Then he said this, and I ask you to please, please, please lay these words to heart. These are the words of Jesus Christ our Savior, and they fly right into the face of all works religionists. No man, that includes you, that includes me, that includes my mother, your mother, that includes all of our children. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. That's not what modern preachers are saying. They're saying God has given everybody a free will. And you can exercise that free will. And you can come to Jesus of your own free will. And you can make your decision for Jesus. That's how you get born again. And that will seal your salvation just by your decision. Our Lord didn't teach that. Our Lord said, No man can come to Me except the Father which has sent Me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Then He said in verse 45, It is written in the prophets, and they, His elect, His chosen people, those who come to Jesus Christ by faith, and they shall be all taught of God, every man therefore that hath heard. We have to hear, folks. We have to hear the truth. How can anybody call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ if they don't believe on Him? How are they going to believe on Him if they don't hear? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? And how are they going to preach except they be sent? And so God has to unstop our spiritually deaf ears. We have to hear with the ears of the heart. We have to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. And we will. Our Lord Jesus said that. My sheep hear My voice. He didn't say, I hope they'll hear My voice. He didn't say, they might hear My voice if they give me permission to speak to them. No, He said, My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow Me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them Me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. I and My Father are one. No man can come to Christ unless God our Father draws us to Him. And this is the way He draws us to Him. Under the preaching of His glorious Gospel, opening our spiritually deaf ears that we might hear. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto Me. This is one of those verses of, or several verses of Scripture that clearly teach 
that God is sovereign in salvation. That He's the one who brings us to Christ. That He's the one who teaches us the things concerning Christ. That He's the one who will make the Gospel effectual. And those who have received the truths concerning Jesus Christ will give Him all the glory. We will not align ourselves with those who are teaching works. We will not align ourselves with those who believe in the doctrine of free will. That's another gospel. Those who believe that are going to hell. I know people will argue with me on that, but that's another gospel. Free willism is just as wrong as Mormonism or Hinduism or any other ism. We must hear the truth. Now turn back just a little bit, starting at verse 37. And here's some truths concerning what our Heavenly Father will teach us when He gives us a new heart, when we experience the miracle of the new birth. And that miracle precedes our understanding. God sends the Spirit of His Son into our hearts whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And it's the Holy Spirit in us that takes the things of Christ and reveals them to us. And here's a blessed truth. Verse 37, All that the Father giveth me, S-H-A-L-L, shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Our Lord is not up in glory, wringing His hands, hoping against hope that somehow somebody might, in their own exercise of their free will, make a decision for Him, giving Him permission to bring them into a living union with Himself. That is a blasphemous lie. He's on His throne in heaven as the exalted God-man, ruling and reigning over this whole universe and everything in it, giving eternal life to as many as God the Father gave Him. And you read that in John 17, the first three verses. Those are truths that come from God. So no wonder our Lord could say, and I trust that you believe what our Lord says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now remember, our subject our subject is His name shall be called Counselor. The one who guides his people into all truths. And he counsels us under the preaching of his glorious gospel. Pastor Bruce Crabtree wrote an article about counseling, and I can't remember all that was in it. It's just a short article, but he made this statement. He said, I counsel three times a week from the pulpit. From the pulpit. In other words, the counsel that I give my congregation comes to them under the preaching of His glorious Gospel. Now folks, it's line upon line, precept upon precept, and the understanding that God gives us is is an ongoing thing. The truths do not come overnight. The miracle of the new birth comes to us by His sovereign power under the preaching of His Gospel or some basic Gospel truths that the Holy Spirit teaches us when we're infants, when we're babes in Christ. But our understanding increases. We grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we're under the preaching of His glorious Gospel. So I know what Pastor Crabtree was saying. We counsel from the pulpit How many times, and I've had several of you come to me and tell me this, how many times have you had 
a question or questions going through your mind and came to church and as you left the church building, you have said to me, you've answered the questions that have been going through my mind all week. And this is how God works. Now I'm not against people coming to me and asking questions. I want to teach. I want to be one as an instrument that God has chosen to guide you in the things concerning Christ and His Gospel. But the effectual teachings from God Himself comes usually under the preaching of His glorious Gospel. And this is what our Lord Jesus says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. But He doesn't leave us there. He tells us why we're going to come. He tells us why we will in no wise be cast out. Look at verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. So He's giving us through His Holy Word as our Counselor the reason why we're going to come to Him. Now I won't take the time to go to the Scriptures because already we're past the time. But I said earlier, you give me more than ten minutes. But it was God's will for His Son to come to this earth. It was God's will for Him to be born of a virgin. God's will for Him to walk on this earth for over 33 years in perfect obedience to the will of His Father, establishing a righteousness for His chosen people that makes us as holy as God Himself. It was the will of God that through the offering of Jesus Christ, He would sanctify His people, set them apart. We read this in Hebrews chapter 10. Lo, it is written in the volume of the book of me, I come to do Thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that He may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. So He sanctified His chosen people. And that's what He's saying here in verse 38. He came down from heaven to do the will of Him that sent Jesus Christ to this earth. And this was God's will that Jesus Christ would sanctify us and that He would perfect us forever through that same offering. That's also in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. By one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. It goes on to tell us that the Holy Spirit is a witness to us. That our sins and our iniquities are taken care of. Jesus Christ paid the sin debt in full. Not just the sins before I came to Christ. All of my sins, past, present, and future, were laid on my Savior. And He bore the iniquity of us all. All of God's elect have been freed from the wrath to come through the finished work of Jesus Christ our Savior. Folks, listen. This is good news for a sinner. Nothing can be, charged to the, nothing can be laid to the charge of God's elect. We have a full pardon from God Himself because of Christ. God has forgiven us for Christ's sake. So He came down from heaven to do the will of Him that sent Him. And verse 39 says, This is the Father's will which hath sent Me, that of all which He hath given Me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. So all of those who were given to Him in the eternal covenant of grace, who were promised to Him by God the Father, all of those were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He met all the conditions of the eternal covenant of grace. And because He did, God has highly exalted Him. Jesus Christ has come out of the grave. 
He has risen. He has ascended into the heavens there to appear in the presence of God for all of His people. He's there as our blessed surety, making sure that we will come to Him by His sovereign, irresistible drawing power. Making sure that we're kept by His power through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. He's there as our great high priest interceding for us. I fall a hundred thousand times a day, but our Savior will not allow me to fall out of His hands. Does that bless you? I'm as sure of heaven as if I'm already there because I am representatively speaking, I'm in Christ. We've been made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful Gospel that gives Him all the glory. So none will be lost. Look at verse 40. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. We must see Him. We must see Him as He is clearly set forth in the Holy Scriptures. There's another Jesus being preached today. was in Paul's day. Another spirit that dominates the religious people of this world. It was in Paul's day. Another Gospel, which is a perversion of the Gospel, that's being preached today. And folks, we must believe on Him. We must see Jesus Christ as the Scriptures plainly set Him forth before us. He is our Savior. He did not come to this world to try and save His people. He saved His people. He redeemed His people. And He's now in glory. God has highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. And every knee is to bow down before King Jesus and confess that He is Lord of all. That He is Lord of heaven, earth, everything under the earth. Every knee is to bow to Him. And you would never have bowed to Him, neither would I, unless God came to us in the person of the Holy Spirit and taught us these wonderful truths concerning Jesus Christ. And every man that is taught of God shall come to Jesus Christ. We will embrace Him and we'll give Him all the praise and all the glory for His unspeakable gift, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.